And a very good morning to you. You doing all right today? You alive, alert, awake, enthusiastic? Nine o'clock in the morning for preaching time. That's a great time in the morning. Amen. It's uh, we're, we're from Arizona, and uh, so right now it's about six twenty-four in the morning. Have you ever preached a message at six twenty-four in the morning? Your body time? That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? But nonetheless, we're good. To, we're glad to be here this morning. And uh, looking forward to this time together around God's Word. This is truly an honor for me to be here this morning. And this conference is 38 years old, I think someone said this past week. And uh, it was here before I was even here. And uh, this is a conference that I have seen from a distance for many years and watched what God has done. And uh, to be here this morning preaching is an honor, truly. And uh, walking among living legends, in my opinion, this morning, and the preachers that are here, of course, Brother Reno last night, preaching for the Pope, and uh, later on this week, Brother Charlie, as he's coming in, and the Miller, I've enjoyed these men. They've, God has used them in my life uh, when I was a teenager, and uh, instrumental in many decisions that I've made. As a matter of fact, if I showed you my college Bible in the back there, there's a decision that I made. Uh, to be a prayer warrior when Brother Charlie was preaching at my college that I attended. And so thankful for these men and their influence in my life and also in this generation as well. It's a dream for me to be here, a dream come true. I've got with me my oldest boy, my oldest son, Landon. He's stand, uh, right over here. He's going to stand. He's 12 years old. And uh, I love this kid so much, Landon. You can be seated. Landon, Mark, Mordecai, Treber, 12 years old, last week went to teen camp for the very first time, had the time of his life. I can't believe I've got a young person that's now in the youth group. Amazing how that happens. And uh, well, I wasn't prepared for that. I was a youth pastor for 12 years. Uh, Brother David mentioned that a moment ago. But now to have my own son in the youth group, it's a whole different world for me. It's taken its toll on me, as a matter of fact. It's been a very, uh, something that my wife and I are having to adjust to and having a, a, a preteen uh, in the house. As a matter of fact, physically, it's taken its toll on me. Uh, five weeks ago, he was uh, in the sixth grade, and now he's in the youth group. And uh, six weeks ago, I think we got a picture. This is what I looked like six weeks ago. Had a full head of hair. Do you guys got that picture up there? No? It's up there? Okay, six weeks ago, I had a full head of hair. That's me, six weeks ago. And uh, now that I've got a young person in the youth group, this is what's happened to me now today. And so it's taken a physical toll on my life. I'm just teasing about that this morning. Judges chapter 6, let's stand up this morning as we read together uh, the portion of Scripture that we're going to look at today and praying that God will use His Word in your life this morning. Judges 6, in the beginning of verse number 1, we read the words that say, And the children of Israel did, what's that next word say? Evil. In the sight of who? The Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made themselves the den which are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. 
And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance in Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number. Watch this next phrase. And they entered into the land to do what? Destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. There's the right response to do. It came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel which said of them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hands of all that oppressed you and drave them out before you. And gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord who sat under an oak which was in Orpha. That pertained unto Joash the Abrazite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress. To hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told of us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Verse 15 says, And he said unto him, this is Gideon's response to the Lord as he commissions him to a great work to begin the process of delivering the people of God from the hand of the enemies of the people of God. And notice what Gideon says, and he says, O oh my Lord, Wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Let's bow forward a prayer. Father, this morning we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the Bible that we hold in our hand, Lord, we thank you that it's true, it's trusted. It's your word, it's inspired, it's been preserved for us. We praise you that, God, that we can preach the blessed old book. And I pray this morning that your word would do a work in the hearts and lives of every young person, teenager, adult, and college and career-age young person that's here this morning. And that, God, that we would be drawn closer to you. We realize that, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for every life that's here this morning. And our heart's desire would be that you would use us for the good of people and for the glory of God. And so, Lord, I pray as we look at this subject today that you would speak to our hearts. And I ask this now in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I love the book of Judges. Judges is one of my favorite Bible books to read. 
It's an exciting book. It's, it's a book that has so much detail in it. If you like action, if you fit that genre of uh, watching a video or action-packed movies, this is exactly the type of book that you would love to read about. It's got war. It's got battles. It's got swords. One of my favorite stories in the book of Judges is about a young lady whose name is Jael. And Jael comes and she finds a man that's asleep. And she goes to him at the tent there he's sleeping in and she takes a hammer, she takes a spike and the Bible says that she drives the spike through the temple of the man that was there and his head was fastened to the earth. Amazing story. I love it. Action packed. It speaks of great victories. Of how God did great things for the people of God and working through men and working through women all throughout this Bible book. But it's also a book of great defeat. We see the failure of man. We, we see the consequences that sin brings to a life. If you read the book of Judges, you'll notice that time and time again that there is a repetitive cycle that's going on over and over and over again in this Bible book. Israel starts off, but they would begin by serving the Lord. And when they're serving God, life is great. It's grand, it's glorious, and there's rest and there's peace in the land. But they would begin to rebel against God and they would then move to that second phase. They would sin against God. So as they serve God, then they go away from God, they sin, and that sin always led them to that third cycle, which is the cycle of bondage. And they would begin to be impoverished. They would begin to be afflicted by their enemies. They would be then people that would cry out to God. And God would then raise up a deliverer. People like Othniel and people like Gideon. People like Samson and even Deborah this morning. You'd see in the text. And as they cry out to God, God would raise up a deliverer. And they would then have deliverance. As they have deliverance, they serve God, and then that cycle continues and repeats itself over and over and over again throughout this Bible book. And I'll say this this morning by way of introduction, the happiest you will ever be as a young person is when you are serving God, when you are living for the Lord, when you've placed yourself under the authority and the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you give your heart and soul to Christ, and you follow Him, and you serve Him, and you are obedient to His Word. But here's the reality this morning, that when we sin and when we go against God's word, that there is always going to be consequences. We heard about last night where the Pope preached such a powerful message about the consequences and the, the burdens and the baggage that comes along with sin. Israel realized that they could choose their sin, but they could never choose their consequences. And in their life, it was wrecked, it was ruined, it was destroyed, it left their country impoverished. So we can choose our sin, but we cannot choose our consequences. And as a matter of fact, you'll see this morning, look again in verse number 4. I want you to see quickly today in Judges chapter 6 and verse number 4. What the consequences and what the burdens were for the nation of Israel as a result of their sin. The Bible says in verse number 4, that they destroyed the increase of the earth. The enemies of God's people, the people that God had promised to bless, 
To be His covenant people, now they have people that are coming into their land and destroying their their fields and destroying their their farms and and destroying their, their cattle and they're left with no sustenance. The Bible says in verse number 5 that they entered into the land. The latter part of that verse says to destroy it. And watch this this morning, young person. That's the goal of the enemy for your life today. Uh, we have an adversary. Uh, the Bible says that he's walking about as a roaring lion and he's seeking whom he may devour. There's not a young person that's here this morning that Satan would not love, love to destroy and wreck and detour and divide your life in usefulness for the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a target on your back that the devil and his enemies and his henchmen have against your life to see you become an a illustration, to see you become a life that's wrecked and not rendered useful for our master, Jesus. And so he's out to destroy us. Now the enemy comes and they leave no sustenance. But notice that the Bible says in verse number 6, here's the consequences of sin. He says, and the Israel was greatly impoverished. They're poor. They're left with nothing. There's famine in the land. Uh, there, there's no cattle to plow the fields. This is why you'll see later on in this text that Gideon was hiding in the wine press because he was fearful, he was afraid of what the Midianites were going to do to his crop. So here's the consequences of sin. Here's the reality, the reminder of the choices that we make will always have consequences. And here Israel as a nation is experiencing the consequences, the rebellion against God Almighty. Here's what you need to know this morning. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will leave you longer than you want to stay. And sin will always cost you far more than you will ever want to pay. And Israel as a nation is experiencing the consequences of sin, the burdens, the baggage that comes along with sin. But notice this morning, that in their rebellion against God, in their consequences, in a land that's destroyed, in a land that's greatly impoverished, we see the mercy and the grace of God. Aren't you thankful this morning for God's mercy and God's grace? Notice the Bible says in verse number 12, here's God's plan, here's God's purpose, here's God's grace over the nation of Israel, that as they cry out to God, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, that's Gideon. And the Lord said, I am with thee, thou mighty man of valor. I'm with thee, you mighty man of valor. I'm going to raise up a judge. I'm going to raise up a deliverer to see Israel come back to God. See, in verse 14, he, he says to Gideon it one more time, the, the latter part of that verse, have not I sent thee. So as Israel rebels and as Israel goes its own way, God in his mercy and God in his grace has a purpose and God has a plan for the life of Gideon. And that plan for Gideon is to be the man that is raised up to bring deliverance to a nation. I love the reality of this one, this text, is that God had a purpose and God had a plan for Gideon. And we can apply that to our lives this morning, that for every man, woman, and child, teenager here this morning, God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life. You were not an O. You were not a mistake. You were not a whoopsie-daisy. 
No, when God formed you, when God fashioned you, he created you for a purpose. You were made in the image of Almighty God. And when God gave you life, God gave you purpose. God has a plan for your life for every teenager or seventh grade. God has a purpose for your life. Every middle schooler, God has a purpose for your life. Every high school student, every college and career age young person here this morning, God has a purpose and God has a plan for your life. You are not a mistake. And God wants to use you. And God can use you. This morning, I want you to notice as we think about this thought today for just a few moments, that God can use me. God can use me. God can use me. God can use you, whatever your name is this morning. God can use, fill in the blank, you. For a purpose, for a plan. I don't know who's, who's here this morning and all the plans that God has for your life, but I would imagine that there's future pastors that are here this morning. I don't know where you're seated at today, but there's a city and there's a state and there's a church that's waiting and being prepared in the sovereignty of God that someday God will raise you up to herald and thunder the word of God. There's a youth group in the future as you go out to Bible college and you have teaching and have training that God is going to begin to prepare your heart to minister to young people and to pour, to invest your life and to bring your teenagers perhaps someday to a conference like this. There's music leaders and there's Christian school teachers and there's missionaries and there's evangelists and there's godly parents that are here this morning. They're going to be part of raising up another generation to see young people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. They're in this room, there's bus captains and there's deacons and there's Sunday school teachers and, and future business owners that God is going to greatly bless you financially to, to, to use the resources available to your hand to to, to support missionaries and to support church planners and to do your work for the kingdom of God, to invest into eternity with the wealth and the riches that God has blessed you with. It excites me. It thrills me at the potential that's here in this room this morning. But with great potential and with great possibility, there comes great excuses. There's great reasons in our own heart this morning why we say God can't use me. Gideon this morning, as I want you to see today, gave three excuses as to why he felt that God could not use him. Three reasons that Gideon told God, God, you could never use me to bring deliverance to the nation of Israel. God, I'm not the person. You got the wrong guy. I was reading this past week about a man that was convicted in the state of Missouri, spent four decades, 40 years, four zero years in prison for a crime that he did not commit. I can't imagine spending four hours in prison. I wouldn't make it. I know I'm a strong, strapping young man this morning, but I'm not going to make it in a prison, praise God. I'm going to have my steak and some lobster and some good seafood, amen? And I'm not going to make it, but here's a man, 40 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit, got the wrong guy. And Gideon is saying to God this morning, God, you got the wrong guy. I'm not the one that's going to be the one to raise up and be bringing deliverance to the nation of Israel. Not me, find somebody else. Notice there's three, three excuses that God, or Gideon gave God this morning. I want you to find, first of all, in verse number two, he said, God can't use me because of my fears. 
God can't use me because of my fears. Notice this morning what the people of God were doing. As Midian was attacking their land, the Bible says, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. Now watch what God's people were doing. He said they made them dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. God told his people that I'm with you. But now, they're hiding. They're in caves. They're in dens. They're in mountains. Verse number 11, notice what Gideon is doing. Here's this great mighty man of valor. And the Bible says that he's there threshing wheat by the wine press. What was he doing? To hide it. Fearful and afraid of many and their strength and their power. And here's God's people. They're fearful. They're afraid of the enemy. You think about your life this morning. Sometimes we say, God, you can't use me because I'm, I'm afraid. And that fear could be a lot of different things. Fear of crowds. Fear of public speaking. A fear of, what if I say the wrong thing? Fear that I could never do that. i never forget when I was 19 years old that God called me to preach. And I'm so thankful for that December the 6th, 2002. I was in Bible college and the preacher preached. And I went forward, I gave my life to Christ. I said, Lord, you're not going to get much, but you're going to get all of me. And I believe you had me to preach your, your word. And God, would you use me for your glory? The very first time I preached after I surrendered to preach, I was preaching a fourth fifth, and sixth graders. I mean, that's a very intimidating crowd, right? And they said, hey, Brother Tim, you're going to preach for 30 minutes. 30 minutes. I studied all week long. I prayed. I fasted. I got my three points. They were all alliterated. Same letter. Had my sub points. Had my tear-jerking illustration. Had my conclusion. Man, it was a great polished sermon. And I'm going to preach for 30 minutes. I got up, I gave my introduction, I gave point one, point two, point three, sub-point, conclusion, tear-jerking illustration at the end there. Five minutes, baby. <laughs> Preach five minutes. Do you know how furious that teacher was with me that I gave him an extra 30 minutes with fourth, fifth, and sixth graders? He was furious at me. Oh, well, Brother Tim looks like he's giving us some extra time this morning. What am I going to do with fourth, fifth, and sixth grade kids? For the next 30 minutes, I walked out there and said, I'm never doing that again. Man, that's horrible. I was preaching one time in my senior year of college for a class, my final. So nervous, so fearful, so afraid to get in front of people. My hands were sweaty. My face was beat red. I was at the stoplight driving to college. My stomach began to turn and to whirl. Right there on Montague and De La Cruz, Golden River Mark, you know what I'm talking about. I opened up the door and I hurled so nervous and so afraid. Right there on the Sunday. It's probably still there today. Who knows? <laughs> afraid. God, you can never use me. God, I'm bashful. God, I'm shy. I'm an introvert. Lord, I'm scared of people. How am I ever going to preach for 30 and 45 minutes? And now, I think, man, 45 minutes? Give me an hour and 45 minutes, right? I want to preach all day long. But here's Gideon. He's fearful. He's afraid. And maybe a reason your life this morning, you're saying, God can never use me because I'm too shy. I'm too backward. I'm too timid. I'm too afraid. I can never do what so-and-so is doing. I can never be used that way. 
But I remind you this morning that God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That greater is he that is in you. The Holy Spirit of God is in you than he that is in this world. Our confidence is not in ourselves. If I was standing up this morning and preaching my own ability and own power, I'd be fearful and afraid. But it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit of God working through me this morning. And my confidence is not in my ability, my oratory skills, or my personality. My confidence is that the Lord is with me. And it's Him that's doing the work. And so this morning, Gideon says that God can't use me because of my fear. Notice this morning what Gideon had the assurance, the confidence. The Bible says in verse 12, as he's just been hiding, as he's just been fearful, as he's just been afraid, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, watch these next five words, say it together, ready? The Lord is with thee. Say it again, ready? The Lord is with thee. Hey Gideon, I know you're afraid. Hey Gideon, I know you're in hiding. Hey Gideon, I know that you're trying to survive and try to live in this impoverished land. But Gideon, don't forget then I'm with you. I'm with you, Gideon. The confidence is not in your great battle skills or your great intellect mind. Your confidence is that God is with you. And I remind this young person this morning that as you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, and as you submit and as you surrender, that the Lord is with you. That we don't go in our own might, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God is with us this morning. Six years ago, I resigned my position, what I would call the dream job. I was working with my dad. I loved it. Thank God for it. Youth pastor of a great church. I thank the Lord for great memories. And I went to Arizona, me and my wife and three kids at the time. Because I believe that God had called me to start a church, Hillview Baptist Church. We knew this many people. In Arizona, not a single person. And people would ask me, how are you gonna how are you gonna start that church? I didn't take a church planning course in college. Well, well, how are you gonna get funded? I, I, I don't know. What are you gonna pray? The Bible? You, 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 you're going to a new area. Who do you know? I don't know anybody. Many times in that first six months, I thought to myself, what have I done? I left my family. In California, we moved out to Arizona, don't know a single soul. You know what gave me confidence? The Lord is with me. He's with me every step of the way. And watch this, teenagers, in spite of your fears, the Lord is with me. Let me give you a second thought this morning why Gideon said God couldn't use me. God can use you in spite of your family. God can use you in spite of your family. Watch what Gideon says. Gideon says, God, you're not going to be able to use me. Because verse 15. Oh, that my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold my, what's it say? Family. Behold my family is rich. Nope. Behold my family is poor in Manasseh, a split tribe of the nation of Israel. And he says, and I am the least in my father's house. Now watch this this morning. Manasseh was a, a split tribe in the nation of Israel. It was not a powerful tribe. Gideon even says it's the 
the, the, the poorest of all the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And Gideon says, in that poor tribe, my family is the least in that, in that whole entire tribe. I'm the least in my father's house. Lord, have you looked at my family? From Manasseh? Well, we're from, the, we're from the, the hood. We're from the ghetto. We, we don't have a strong family. We don't have a strong tribe. And my family is the reason as to why you can't use me. A divided tribe, a poor family. He was unheard of and unknown. Yet God is going to look beyond the family that he has and say, Gideon, you are the man. I don't know your home life this morning. I had a great family growing up. I had a, both father and mother and that were there, took me to church. But I know this morning that that's not the case for every teenager. There are some this morning, you grew up in a single parent home. Some, you've never met your dad. Some, maybe your dad or mom's in jail this morning. For some, maybe you've known hurt. Uh, for, for some, maybe you've seen some sins that were talked about last night on the first-hand experience. Maybe the words that describe your home are dysfunctional, discord, anger, resentment. Maybe you know what it's like to see divorce and alcohol and drugs in the home. And maybe you use that this morning as a reason to say, God, I can never do that because I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I haven't grown up in a daddy that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm growing up with a mama who's, who's practicing sin right before my very eyes. But I say to you this morning, young person, despite your family, God can use you. Don't use your family as an excuse or a reason as to why the almighty, all-powerful God, the creator God of this universe, couldn't use you. I was talking to Brother Matt this morning. I appreciate him. He was in college and I was serving there. And Brother Matt doesn't come from a Christian home. It doesn't come from a, what we would call a quote-unquote good upbringing but a man that was in a youth pastor for many years, and now a preacher of the gospel there in the state of New York, I believe, and watching God use a man that simply surrendered his life to God. Your family, your upbringing, is no reason as to why God can't use you. You think about people in the Bible, how about this name, Jephthah? Ever heard that name? You know what the Bible says about this man, Jephthah? This is how the Bible describes Jephthah's family. Ready? He was the son of a, you know what it says? Harlot. That's pretty black and white, isn't it? I mean, how would you like to have that testimony in Scripture that your mother was a harlot? Yet God used Jephthah. How about Moses was raised in a, in a home that wasn't his biological parents? They're in Egypt. Yet God used Moses. How about Timothy, who grew up in a, in a home, perhaps the, the Bible does not mention his daddy, and, and many Bible scholars have different opinions about what happened there, but didn't have a dad in the home perhaps who was raised by grandma and was raised by his mother, but yet was used greatly for God. How about Josiah, whose daddy and granddaddy, who the Bible says did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, Manasseh and Ammon. Yet Josiah said, I'm not going to let my daddy or my grandpa be the reason as to why God can't use me. I'm trusting in God. Never use your family as an excuse as to why God can't use you. Just because I grew up in a pastor's home, just because I grew up in a preacher's home, just because grandpa was a preacher and my other grandpa was a godly, faithful deacon in church didn't automatically qualify me for usefulness in the sight of God. 
There had to come a point in my life where I said, Lord, I take my hands off the wheel of my life. And I said, God, I belong to you and use me in any way, shape, or form that you want to use me. And young person this morning, despite your fears, despite your family, God wants to use you. And then lastly, I'll wrap it up here this morning. I've got to go. God can use you despite your failures. God can use you in spite of your failures. And I'll quickly say it this morning. Here it is. Put yourself in that story. Who came to Gideon and said, Gideon, I'm going to use you. The angel of the Lord, God did. Gideon, I'm going to use you. If, if God talked to me and I heard the voice of God, do you know how, man, you want me to do it? Let's go charge hell with the squirt gun, you know? And I heard God speak and he, and he, and he told me that I'm going to be used. I'm going to take that with confidence and put trust in that word that God is going to use me. Yet Gideon says, Lord, look at verse number, verse number 18. And actually verse number 17. Verse 17. Here's Gideon's response to the angel of the Lord saying that I'm going to use you. He says, if I now have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign. Show you a sign? Really? I mean, you just heard God speak to you out loud, Gideon. I mean, what more of a sign do you want? Show me a sign. And he said, okay, fine. Here, here's the sign. And the Bible says that he takes flesh of unleavened cakes and he pours the broth there in verse 20. And the angel of the Lord, verse 21, put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there arose up fire out of the rock. Heard the voice of God and now fire out of a rock? <laughs> How many like to see that happen in your life? That'd be a pretty cool story, huh? Then he says, well, Lord, if, I, if you're really going to call me in verse 36 through verse 40, he talks about the fleece that he puts out. Here's Gideon's failure to trust and believe God. And watch this this morning. I'll wrap it up. Here we go. Some of us have made mistakes, haven't we? Some of us have done things in our life that we're not proud about. All of us have moments in our life that we wish we could redo and re rehash over again in our life. Things that we're not proud about. Moments we wish we could erase from our memory. And some of us are saying, God, you know what I did in the past, and so you can't use me in the future. I failed you, God. I disobeyed. I went against your word. I've, I've rebelled. I've, I've gone down that avenue, and I've gone too far. But despite your failures, young person, God can still use you. Why? There is now, therefore, now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. As far as east is from the, the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, thank God for that. The sins of our life are under the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we stand before him justified and redeemed. We stand before God this morning, having been declared righteous through his son Jesus Christ this morning. That when God looks and sees you, he doesn't see your past, your flaws, or your failures. He sees the righteousness of his son Jesus Christ. Thank God for that this morning. And God says, what, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. And some of us have to get to a place in our life where we forget the past. And as Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Some of you this morning have sat here, and like I did when I was a teenager, I've condemned myself. I said, I'm no good, I'm not worthy. God, you know what I've done. 
How could I have done that? I know that I'm the pastor's son. But we got to come to the place in our life where we say, Lord, I've repented of that sin. I've confessed that I've forsaken it. And Lord, for the glory of God, I'm just going to go forward for you. I'm going to submit my life and surrender to you. And God, no matter what I've done in the past, I'm going to focus on the future. And I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to focus on being useful in your work and in your kingdom from this day forward. Three reasons why Gideon said he couldn't be used as failures. You feel like you failed God? Go forward for God anyhow. Say, God, I don't have a good family? Go forward anyhow. Say, I got fears? Well, go forward anyhow. Have confidence in Christ, confidence in God's word, trusting and believing that God can use you, and he will. Father, this morning, thank you for these teenagers. Thank you for the example that we've seen in the life of Gideon. We believe that we're not perfect. We know that, Lord. But we trust and believe that you have a plan for our lives, that you will use us for your glory. Lord, I would pray that many young people would just simply say, Lord, my life is yours to control. And I pray that, God, that we would hear reports in years to come of all that took place and transpired because we simply surrendered like Gideon did to be used for the glory of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.